this, uh, this past week, uh, my wife and I, we got a chance to take our, our daughter. Our daughter, some of you know, don't know, uh, is almost uh, 12 months old. In fact, she turns one year August 17th. Can you believe that? Like, I should, we should get an award for keeping her alive for a whole year, right? Uh, but, but we had a chance to take her to the San Diego Zoo uh, this past week. They have the thing going on where you can take her at night. Uh, and she's getting to that age where it's really fun to kind of do those things and experience those things. Uh, but it, on one side, it's getting really fun. But then on the other side, she like wants to get out of her stroller and like walk around, which is like not that fun, right? Uh, but, we had a, but we had a great time. And, and it has been years. It has been years since I had been to a zoo. Like probably the last, the last time I was a zoo, I grew up in Ohio in Cincinnati, right? The Cincinnati Zoo, which were, rest, in, rest in peace, Haramba, right? Anybody remember that? Uh, but that was probably the last time I was there. And so I had forgotten how incredible it was to get, like, be around the animals again and, and all the exhibits and the experiences and stuff. And I'd also forgotten just the incredible uh, trees and vegetation that they, that they build up in that place. And I also forgot this part, how hot it can be and how easy it can be to get lost. Say yes, right? It's so easy to get lost. And as you enter into the zoo, uh, you, can, you have a chance where you can get a map. They give you a map, and I brought a map with me this morning. You can get a map, and it's like, you might, you might as well just keep it to yourself, right? Like, that's not really helping me out. But what the, what the maps uh, help you identify, and what they help you do is that they help you figure out where you want to go, Right? If you want to go to the reptile exhibit, if you want to go to the monkey, you know, monkey pen or whatever they call that, or, or the elephants, if you want to go there, it helps you to figure out where you want to go, but the challenge is, the struggle is finding the way to get there. Say yes, right? So it's, it's kind of easy to figure out where you want to go. The struggle, the challenge is deciding or figuring out which way do we take to get there. Now, have you ever had an experience like that in your own life? You ever had an experience where you know where you want to go, you just struggle trying to find the way to get there? I know, I know we have some students that are beginning uh, high school here stu- soon, and we have uh, college students that are returning to college, and when you're in high school and when you're in college, <clears throat> you know where you want to go, which is home, right? You don't want to go to school. No, I'm just joking, right? You know where you want to go. You want to, you want to complete high school. You want to complete that degree. But then the challenging part is, which way do I take? If you're in college, you have to decide which courses am I going to take? How much course load can I take so I can get to the way and what I want? Or how about this? When you want to get married and you want to meet that person, where do you go to meet that person? Where do you go? She wants to know, right? So if you, she, if you know, tell her where to go, right? Right? Our finances, right? We all, we all know where we want to go. Say amen to that, right? Come on, raise a hand. Say, you know, where you want to go on that one? Finances, we know where we want to go. We want to experience financial freedom. We want to know that, that retirement is in the near future. But then the question is, like, like how do we get there? Or, or what's the way to get there? Or how about this, our careers, and, and we know we want to find a career that we love, but, but how do we get there? But then finally, what about this category? Is spiritually. Spiritually. We all, we all know that there are places that we want to be, right? The Bible talks about this place called heaven, but there are all these places that where we know where we want to be, but the challenge is, how do we get there? But this is what I want to propose to us this morning. What if, what if, we have been focusing on the wrong things. 
What if it's not focusing on the where, but rather it's focusing on the way that will help us to get there? Turn to your neighbor and say, focus on the way. Focus on the way, right? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the, the book of John. John chapter 14, you can move in that direction. I'm going to set up some context for us. This morning... So if you remember, if you remember, we've been in John this whole conversation and looking at these different statements. And if you remember that usually when Jesus makes these I am statements, he's, he's in a certain context. He's in a particular context. When we, when we heard about, uh, well, how about this? Just a little quiz for us. What is the, what's the first, week one, what was the first I am statement of Jesus? I am the bread. Amen, right? I don't have a gift, but I'll get you one for that, right? How about this? Uh, week two, then. What was week two? The light. the light. Very good, very good. So week two, I am, I am the light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. What about week three? What was week three? The gate. I am the gate to the good life. What about week four? Week four. I am the... The good shepherd, the good shepherd. If you remember, the reason that that was a big deal is because Israel's leaders were considered shepherds. And he talked about how they're good shepherds and not so good shepherds. And that's when he steps on the scene and he says, I am the good shepherd, meaning I will be the one to lead you to the places you want to be. And then what was last week? I am the resurrection and the life, the resurrection and the life. Now, when Jesus usually made these statements, he was speaking to a particular audience. It was usually directed at the leadership. It was usually directed at the church leaders at the time. And he would do this, Jesus is so smart. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is smart. Like, tell him, right? Jesus is so smart. He would show up at these festivals. He would show up at these places where people would gather in from the surrounding community, and he would use that context to make a statement about himself. So when he says, I am the light of the world, guess where he says it he goes to the festival of lights look at you you're a scholar you didn't even know it right so he's in the festival of lights he says i am this now this week is different his address is going to be very different and this if you're sitting here and you consider yourself a christ follower i would say that that what jesus is going to tell us today is probably one of the more important things that he's going to give people that consider themselves christ followers He's not talking to church leaders anymore, but rather he's talking to people because he knows that he, his path is going to take him to the cross and he's going to go back up to the Father. And so what he's going to tell you he's, is to leave with you so that you can be where he is. So that's what we're going to jump into this morning. So if you have John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, would you say, I got it? Oh my Lord. We're going to have to help you out. That's okay. We'll have it on the screen just for you. Now, let's say this together as a community. Let's say this together. Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's say that again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. He says, you believe in God. Believe also in me. Another way to translate that is you can say, you trusted in God. Now trust in me. Has anybody here, have you ever had someone say, just trust me? You ever had anybody say that? My, my executive pastor says that to me all the time, right? He's like, just trust me, right? Just trust me. Anybody say, just trust me, right? What are some things that they would say, just trust me about? Come on. Oh. Turn here, right? Just turn here. Trust me there. What else? Everything will work out for the best, right? Just trust me. What else? 
Taste it, right? So food, food, I have to be honest, I'm not very adventurous in my food tasting. Uh, I am as white as my skin looks, so I love meat and potatoes growing up in Ohio. If we venture outside of that, I get a little nervous. I got to be honest with you, right? My poor wife, she's like, oh, chicken and potatoes again. Here we go, right? Right? But... But what are some other things where you just like, you just, someone says, you got to just trust me. What are some other things? It won't hurt, hurt, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Jump off this cliff. It'll be good. It won't hurt, right? What about like you go in to get a haircut and you're like, ah, this people, this person isn't that good. And they're just like, just trust me, right? Or somebody, someone who's in much better shape than you are and they're like wanting to take you on a hike and they just say, just trust me, right? All these different places. The interesting thing about this passage is like what Jesus is saying as you read this, as you read the story about Jesus and the disciples, you kind of get this feeling that, that the disciples really didn't know what Jesus was up to all the time and they, and they really didn't know that like where they were going. They just knew that as long as they were following Jesus, they would be, eventually they would be able to find their way. But Jesus does something interesting when he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. What he's doing is that he's inviting and expects people that would follow him to have the same confidence in his power and his ability as they had in God. Do you understand? Do you see what he's doing here? He's transferring. What he's doing is that these things are transferable. The same confidence, the same trust that you have in God, have the same in me. Have that same confidence and power in me. Now, understand something about their context. They believed that Almighty God would get them to where they wanted to go, which was they wanted to be free from their oppressors. They wanted to be living in their land by themselves. They wanted to have peace. They wanted to have prosperity. They wanted to return back to the days of old. That's what they wanted, but they believed God was the one that was going to do it. What Jesus is saying is that I am the one that's going to do it. You can transfer your trust. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is... Just trust me. Just trust me. That's why he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, the reason I want to spend a little bit of time, please put this verse back up, is because this, for regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, if you are new today, if it's your first day, if you're just checking out Jesus, this is so foundational to, to a life with Jesus. This is such a, the, the beginning step because this step right here, it's the first and it's an ongoing step of faith. Because Jesus doesn't just stop right here, believe in God, you also believe in me. It's a constant thing that he asks of us. He says, listen, you believed in this thing when you were not a believer, when you were away from God. You believed in this thing to get you to where you wanted to go. You believed in this person to get you to where you want to go. But what Jesus does is he changes that out and he says, it's not that anymore. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to believe in me. Trust in me. I will be the one to get you there. And if you're new, this will be an ongoing conversation that God will always have with us. He will say, trust in me. Lean into me. Let me guide you. And so he says this to the disciples, and he's going to constantly say this to us throughout our life of faith. But he does another thing. In verse 2 and verse 3, it says this. It says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to you so that you can be where I 
am. Now, the reason that Jesus says you can trust me is, and don't let your hearts be troubled is because he's going to a place. He's going to accomplish something on our behalf. He's going to go and do this thing on our behalf. Now, how many, how many here, uh, this, this sounds a lot like heaven, how many here, like when you read this passage, like, like I'm pretty sure like what God's refer, or Jesus is referring to is God's house, he's referring to heaven, say yes, right? So, we, so he's going away, he's gonna prepare this place. So I, I, want, I have a question, you guys have to play with me, you have to participate. What, what, what is your version of heaven? What does heaven look like to you? Shout it out. It's beautiful, what else? Clouds, clouds, would you say floating? Holy, Holy okay. Peaceful. Food. I was going to say, come on now, right? right? How, how many here, how many your, your version of heaven means that you don't have to work? Come on, raise that hand. Let me see it, right? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you, your version of heaven means that, that you get to take a nap every single day, right? We are new parents, and so that is my version of heaven, right? Is that we get to do that. What else? What else? What else? Your version of heaven. Just an endless supply of Chick-fil-A, right? Like you don't even got to think about it. Just a butler shows up. He's got a number two ready to go for you, right? Right? What else? What's your, come on, play with me. What is it? What is it? Love. So it's a place of love. Okay, so it's a place where there's, there's, there's love, which means that there's no evil. There's no, you know, no harm going on. You know, what are some other, what, are, what else? Come on. Sports? Just constantly. Just like, just like. ESPN headquarters like going on all the time like a, a hundred screens happening right all kinds of stuff you know there's and there's uh, there's so many different we have so many different ideas we have so many different versions of of what heaven is like I mean there's even there's even so many like song lyrics uh, there's a song out by this guy named Kane Brown any, any country artists out there right he says everybody's talking about heaven like it's some place you go it's going to be so good, so beautiful. Then he says, but lying next to you, I'm complete. I don't need, I don't know what the rest of the lyrics is, right? But there's all kinds of, all kinds of versions and ideas of heaven, all kinds of versions and ideas of heaven. Now, the point of it, and even Jesus' point, isn't to kind of like uh, spell out what heaven is supposed to look like. In fact, in the King James Version, uh, it talks about in my father's house are many mansions, right, or many mansions. Now, how many of you, that gets your attention a little bit, right, especially in San Diego, where it's like a mansion is a two-bedroom, two-bath house, right? It's like, but, that, but that's not his point. That's not what he's trying to do. What he's doing, and I would argue that these, these two verses uh, are, are some of the more uh, shaping verses and some of the more shaping words that Jesus says because don't miss the power and the point of what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that yes, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many, many rooms. And he says, uh, if it weren't so, what I have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, which is implied that if I'm going there, meaning I'm gonna come back here so that you can be, and to take you. He says to take you to be where I am. But what Jesus' whole point, I believe, is, and this is a point that has really shaped my life, is this, is that it's the return of Christ tomorrow that shapes my life today. That it's this idea that with God on his way back tomorrow, that shapes how I live today. You gotta understand, it, it, those that are, that are Christ followers, th this is a, a term that we don't use a whole lot, but it's, but it's called eschatology. Say eschatology, 
right? So eschatology is end times. And what happens is if we lose this whole idea and concept of, of God returning whenever he chooses to return, it really impacts our life. Now, come on now. If, you've got, if you know that you've got a three-day weekend ahead, what do you do during that weekend? Oh, come on. Well, you do nothing, right? You kick up the feet on the couch. You put on as many games on the screen as you can find, right? You're just doing whatever you can do. But if you know that you only have a short amount of time, that really impacts how you live your life. And this is kind of, I believe, Jesus' kind of ethic that he's given to the church. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the church that he's going to be leaving shortly. And so he says, it's the return tomorrow that's going to impact your life today, Turn to your neighbor and ask him, how you living today? How you living? Turn to your other neighbor and say, ask pastor to never sing a country song again. (laughs) Tell him that one. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, and he says this uh, about this whole idea of what's next. And he says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. You see, how we think about tomorrow shapes how we're going to live today. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. So if Jesus has prepared a place for me, then how do we get there? Look at verse 4 and verse 5. In verse four, I love what Jesus says because he just, he just says, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And then he goes, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Please put that up. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas speaks up on behalf of the disciples and on, and on all of our behalfs. And he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, those that have been reading through John with us, you know that there's always these double meanings that are happening throughout the passage where it feels like Jesus is talking about one thing, and, it, and he is, but it also has this other meaning, and all along the way, the hearer can get confused. And so Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And when he speaks up here, because Thomas wants to know, if I can know the exact spot, if I can know the exact location, what he's saying is, if I can know the where, then I can know the way. Jesus, if you'll tell me where the elephant display is, then I can find my way there. Jesus, if you'll tell me who I'm supposed to marry, then I'll be able to find her or find him. Jesus, if you'll tell me which career path to take, then I'll know the way to get there. God, if, you, if you'll tell me that this thing is going to work out and it's going to work out in my favor and everything's going to be good and I'm going to be Instagramming myself on a beach somewhere, then I'll find my way there. You see, what Thomas wants, he, he, or what he's saying is that he wants something that we all want. Tell me exactly where we're going and then I'll be able to find my way. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you'll tell me where, then I can find my own way. And here's the trap I think that Thomas presents to all of us this morning. Is don't be distracted by the destination. Don't be distracted. You see, Jesus just spent some time explaining where he's going to go and why he's going to go and what he's going to be doing. And so I believe Thomas gets pulled into the trap of focusing on the wrong thing. Focusing on the destination. And here's the trap and here's the challenge. And this is why this is a big deal. 
is that when you get pulled into that, when you get, when you get uh, distracted by the destination, what you'll end up doing is that you'll end up using Jesus as a means to your end. You'll use your faith as a means to your end. When you get pulled into that, when you get distracted by it, you'll use the church, you'll use your faith, you'll use Jesus as a means to an end. And this is why Thomas wants to know, Lord, show us the way and we'll find us the way there. But Jesus goes on and he says this in verse six and seven. Jesus answered, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, then you will know my Father. Or if you really knew me, then you would know my Father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. You see, Jesus doesn't show us the way to the Father. Rather, Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the, he is the way because he is the truth, which means that he is the life, that these all go together. These all work together. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, this is, this is one of the gigantic ones that Jesus gives us in the I am statements because remember, as we're deconstructing and we're reconstructing who God is, what God is saying, he's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, this is a big, gigantic claim because what Jesus is saying is that there is no other way to the good life. There's only one way. What what this means is that this is an exclusive claim that Jesus is making. I, I feel like this is maybe a common sense point, but this is a point that we have to hear today because we live in such a pluralistic society where it's like, well, as long as I'm a good person, it doesn't really matter what I believe, I'll get to where I need to go. And you need to hear this verse because that is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody gets to heaven. Nobody gets to where they're going unless they go through me. And you need to hear this. Getting to heaven is not about being a good person. Getting to heaven is not about being a good person. I have a friend uh, that is a country music musician. Okay, all right, right? And, uh, and he's played for different groups and it's been fun to kind of follow his career. Uh, and but I, but I want to use this like illustration. There's been a lot of times where I've been able to, to, to meet up with him and, and be able to hang out in the back and, and, and have, all, have all that fun. And this idea of <laughs> if I were to go to a show and I were to go to the bouncer and I were to tell the bouncer, listen, bouncer, did you know what I did today? I gave a homeless person a dollar. I went to church on Sunday I called my mom the other day. I just, just tell them all the good things that you did that day. And then you'd say, can I, can I get to the back here? What do you think that bouncer would say? Uh, security, come and take this guy out of here, right? And it's the same thing. But because I know the person that's in the band, because he's able to give me a, a, an, an all-access pass by showing that to the bouncer, then I get access to whatever it is that we're doing back there. And it's the same concept, it's the same idea that what is being presented here is that being a good person does not get us to where we wanna go. Rather, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And this is a gigantic claim. And, and, and here's kind of my, the big idea and the big point this morning 
is that if you know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. If you know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. In your life of faith, as, as you're navigating your life and as you kind of know where you want to go, but the, but the struggle is, is the way, what I believe Jesus is saying to us through this passage is that if you know the way, then you'll always be able to find your way. What that tells me is that I, I don't have to have everything right in my life. Everything doesn't have to be good. I don't have to have it all figured out. But rather what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look here, look here, look here. He says, look here, if you follow me, I am the way. If you know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. Whether that's starting a new marriage, starting a new relationship, new parents, you're trying to decide which career, regardless of where you're at in your life, if you'll know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. Because Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. It is through me. It is through me. Now, this is important. Very quickly, because there's a lot of wear out there. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a lot of wear out there. There's a lot of wear. There's a lot of wear. What I mean by this is that there's always somewhere to navigate. And in my own life, as I look back on my life and, and I look at the decisions that I've had to make throughout my life, I mean, I can think back uh, when it was time to go to college and, you know, you're, you're trying to decide which college to go to there and it's like, I've got to navigate that situation. And when you're in this situation, doesn't it feel like it's the biggest situation to ever say yes? Right? When, you, when you're in it, it's like, it's the biggest decision. It's the biggest deal. And after that, you know, you get into college and then it's, it's time to decide, well, which, which degree do I pursue here and, and, and which, which friends and, and not which girl to date because I was waiting the whole time for my wife, right? I would never do that, right? But, but you're trying to figure those things out and, and then you get out and it's like, well, where do I live and, and what do I do? And for my situation, my dad was sick and so it was kind of navigating that one and how, how, do we go, how do we go about that? And, and, and once we get through that, uh, then it's like, which, you know, do, do I pursue this career? Do I pursue that career? And then, and then I meet the person and, and we get married. Where do we live? And the, well, where, where do we, when do we decide to have children? And, and what do we do? And the point is, is that throughout my life, and I'm 34 years old, is that there's always somewhere to navigate. There's, there's always some decisions to be made. There's always something you have to figure out. And that's why I love what Jesus is saying, is that if you'll know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. If you know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. In verse eight, uh, Philip says something that is interesting to me because it's, it, it ties right into what we're talking about. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Show us the Father. So Jesus, think about this. Think about this for a moment. You're there with Jesus and Jesus has just made this huge claim about himself, right? That, that, that I'm following him, I've seen him do some cool stuff, but all of a sudden, he just said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, nobody gets to God except through me, giant claim, and then Philip says, okay, but show us the Father, show us the Father, then I'll know. Do you know what Philip is asking Jesus for? Certainty. He's asking for a guarantee, isn't a guarantee the American way? Come on, say yes, right? It's like if I go somewhere, I, I want to know that the food is going to be good, say yes. Come on, you don't go to a restaurant without checking Yelp first. Come on, right? You probably don't even go to a church without checking Yelp first, hey? Which if you haven't, if you haven't given us a good review, go ahead and do that later today, right? But, but anywhere we go, we want, we want guarantees. We want, we want certainty. 
In fact, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a leader, person, philosopher, I don't even know what his title would be. His name is Tony Robbins. You probably have heard of him. Tony Robbins, in a, in a groundbreaking TED Talk uh, some years ago, identified that, that humans have six basic human needs. They have six basic human needs, uh, things like contribution. We all have this need to make a, a contribution. We all have this need for growth. We all have this need for love and connection. We all have this need for significance. We all have this need for variety. But the number one need, number one basic human need he identified was certainty. Because he, he would say that certainty is, is a defense mechanism for our survival. We, we want to know that there's some food source tomorrow. Say yes, right? We, we want to know that there's maybe even some food source right after service today. Yes, yes, right? We want to know this because we want certainty. Ironically, the only thing that is certain in life is uncertainty. The only thing that is certain is uncertainty. There's another person named Oswald Chambers who would say this about this whole concept of certainty and uncertainty. He said to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all our ways, not knowing what tomorrow may bring. This is generally expressed with a sigh of sadness, but it should be an expression of breathless expectation. We're uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. And so what he wants is that he wants certainty. Yes, God, I will believe that you are the way. I will believe that you are the truth. I'll believe that you're the life. I'll even believe that the only way to experience the good life is through you. But then he says, show us the Father. Essentially what he's asking for is to show us something that nobody has ever seen before. Give us a guarantee. Give us that certainty. But the only certainty in life is uncertainty. And so let me ask you this question this morning. Where is the uncertainty in your life? You don't have to, it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to shout it out. But where is the uncertainty in your life? Is it relationally? Is it financially? Is it emotionally? Is it with your family? Is it a work thing? Where is the uncertainty in your life? Because the only thing that is certain because as we focused on those things, as we, as we try to gain certainty for those uncertain areas in our life, what I believe is that I, I, don't, I believe it's not a worthwhile pursuit. But rather what Oswald Chambers tells us is that to be certain of God is to be uncertain in all our ways. Meaning that there is only one person, there's only one thing in which we can be certain, and his name is Jesus. Jesus goes on and he answers Philip by saying this, don't you know me, Philip, even after we've been together such a long time? And then he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What he's saying is, and, and if you're here today and you have questions about who God is and what he looks like, and as you're reexamining your views and image of God, pay close attention to the life and the person of Jesus because what Jesus is saying is that Jesus is the one that reveals the Father. Jesus is the one that reveals what God looks like. Jesus is the one who reveals the nature and the character of God. When you feel like God is distant, when you feel like God is, is angry, when you feel like God is, is stingy, when you feel all of those things, look at the actual life of Jesus and you will see that he is none of those things. So, so what do we do this morning with, with a message like this? What, how, do we, how do we kind of 
break this down and, and, and synthesize this into our life. I wanna give us two things this morning as we uh, close this morning. The first one is that in verse 12, uh, Jesus jumps down and, 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 he, and he makes this statement and he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, again, Jesus is, when he makes this exclusive claim about himself, the interesting thing is that the, the invitation is not inclusive. Rather, the invitation is, is for everybody. It's, it's an inclusive invitation. He says, whoever believes in me. But the thing I want to give you is this, is to know the way. Know the way. And John, he uses this word know 39 times. And, and, and it's this Greek word called gnosko. And, it, and what it means is to have a, a personal knowledge, to, to, to gain a self-understanding. What that means is that you're not relying on, you know, dad or grandpa or grandma's version of who God was. You're not relying on a pastor's version of who God is. But rather, you get to know for yourself. You get to know with a, with a personal knowledge. You know, when I think about um, my wife and, and this whole concept of, of, of knowing, you know, knowing her, there's, there's things where you can know about Crosby from the outside, but until you have entered into a relationship with her, there's, there's, this, there's this different knowledge that takes place. There's this personal knowledge that takes place, and, and it's a knowing, and I believe it's the invitation that God is giving to all of us here this morning, is to know me. Now, you got to understand something. Knowing God means that it's not just a one-hour deal on a Sunday, my Lord, if I approached my wife that way, I would still be a single man. Say yes, right? But it was as soon when we met and she was in San Diego and I was living up in Orange County, it was, it was uh, uh, honestly, it was like a, a, a panic, panic attack for me of when do I get to see you again, right? And, and she was finishing up nursing school and uh, was, was studying for the, the NCLEX and was also getting ready to run the half marathon, which meant that uh, she had about this much time for me. And I remember like calling her and telling her, I don't feel like a priority in your life. And she said, yeah, you're not. You know, she didn't say that, but, but, that's, how, but that's how it felt, right? But it, didn't, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to know her I, I, and, I, and I wanted to pursue that knowledge. I wanted to, I wanted to have that, that personal knowledge for my own life and for my own self. And I think John uses this word know so many times in his gospel because this whole thing doesn't work unless you know Jesus. Unless you know who he really is. That he wasn't just some teacher, he wasn't just some rabbi, but rather he was your savior. And he is your savior. And so the invitation is to know. Know the way. Know the way. And then the other side to that is then show the way. When you know the way, you show the way. When you know the way, you show the way. Jesus goes on and, and as he kind of finishes this little conversation he was having with his disciples, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. What I believe Jesus was inviting the church and inviting his followers into was, yes, come, have an intimate knowledge of who I am, but once you, have, once you begin to grasp that, there is, there is something in that that enables you to, to want to show the way to others. 
Now, when I, when I mean show the way, what I mean is not, not uh, giant signs and, and megaphones. I'm talking about the people that are in your life, your kids, your neighbors, your coworkers. Show them who Jesus is. You know, as the band comes, the band, you can make your way up here. In verse, verse, uh, or in chapter 17, verse 3, this, so this whole journey that we've been on of, of knowing the way and always being able to find our way and that being important because there's always somewhere to navigate. And so the invitation is to know God, is to know the way so that we can show the way. And I believe as we move in that direction, what ends up happening is that we are able to find our way home. Doesn't that just sound good this morning? To be able to find our way home. In chapter 17, verse three, uh, Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, this is eternal life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Isn't that interesting? As Jesus talks about this, this place in, in this eternal life, he boils it down to this knowing the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, who was sent from heaven. Would you pray with me this morning?